Good morning. Good morning. Good to see you guys this morning. Good to see you, Dave. Those that are online, we are excited that you're with us. We're in the middle of a series called Family Matters because Larry Miller Family Matters, right? Amen? Amen. One more time. Amen? Amen? All right. Good to see you guys today. It's going to be a good time. You know, next week is an important day. Um, what happens next week, men? I'm so glad we got one guy that knows what happens next week. All right. Uh, all the men, what happens next week? Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Make sure you got your plans. Make sure you're ready to celebrate. Next Sunday, we'll be having baby dedication as well as baptism. And uh, the following Sunday, we'll be recognizing our graduating seniors. So the next couple of weeks, there's a lot of things happening around as we celebrate the next generation. I am blessed. We are blessed as a church to have the ability to work with so many kids, to have influence in the lives of so many kids' lives. And, uh, but anyway, can I start off with some questions today, Steve? All right, here we go. So how many of you would say to me, I'm in the middle of parenting uh, children. I'm not talking about your spouse, okay? <laughs> How many of you would say, I'm in, that, I'm in the parenting stage from zero, let's say, to college? Raise your hand. How many? We got lots in there? Okay. Lots. How many of you would say that you're parenting, but your kids are a little bit older, maybe? They could be single. They could be married, maybe even grandchildren. How many of you are at that stage? How many of you are grandparents? Well, this is what I know, that regardless of which one of those you find yourself in, kids or not, we have an influence in the next generation. Do you believe that's true? Very much so. Very, very much so. And so with that being said, let me, let me ask a question. As it relates to parenting, what's the win? Don't answer me. What's, the, what's important? What is it that we value? When we think about parenting, what is it that we, that we sort of hold up? I mean, if we were playing a game, we would say the win would be the one who scores the most points, the one with the most runs, the one that swims the fastest, the one that throws the furthest. I mean, there's a way. If you're playing cards, if you're playing another game, you know what the win is, and that's the goal, right? Okay, so what's the win when it comes to parenting? For some people, it might be academics. If my kids has to have a certain score, I want to make sure that they have a grade point average. I want to make sure they get a scholarship. And you know what? You'll go to all extent to make sure that that you know, that they are able to make grades. I mean, you want, to finish, you want them to finish with a scholarship, maybe go to a certain school. There are so many parents under stress right now because their kids are getting to graduate because academics is important to them. For others, it may be sports. You know, you'll go to all extent to make sure that your kid plays on that team. It doesn't matter. Travel ball, where you got to go, how much money it costs. As far as being able to get somebody that is a, uh, you know, an instructor, a little bit special instructor, it costs a little extra money so that maybe your kid can be uh, on that be, that, be the starting, whatever it may be. Maybe it's a quarterback. Maybe it's a running back. Maybe it's a line. Maybe it's a baseball player. Maybe it's a basketball player. But to you, because you value sports, you'll go to all extents to make sure they get the best of the best. That's you. Let's just say that your kid finishes at the top of the game. Let's say that they finish number one in their class. Let's say that they get that scholarship. Let's just say that they go to that valued school that you put up here. Let's just say that they get the degree. Let's just say that they get that position. Is that success? What happens if they get that 
position on the sports field? What happens if they go to college and they get that scholarship? What happens if they end up being drafted by a, a professional team and they make all this money? Can I, is that the win? Be careful. I mean, because what is it we're aiming at? I, listen, I know a lot of people that finished at the top of their game, that made the scores, that played professional ball, that may have made a lot of money, live in a certain subdivision, drive a certain car, but when it comes to happiness, well, what's the win, parents? What is it you're shooting at? What is it you're aiming at? So I want to be able to ask the question today, what's the win? You know, what is it we value as, as, a, as an individual, as a parent? What is it you value? What is most important to you? As a church, what's most important to us? I want to go back to the Old Testament today. And um, you already know, we've talked about, there's not a lot of great examples of parenting when we look at the scriptures. There's a lot of bad examples, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, when we talk about parenting, Meredith and I, um, by far, um, listen, are not perfect parents. We've got great kids. But if you talk to Anna, Anna will tell you we're not perfect parents. <laughs> Don't listen to her, okay? <laughs> but only by God's grace. Man, we have been blessed. We have been blessed. But I'll tell you what, I know what she does have. She has two parents that love Jesus. Amen. I do know that. We, she does have two parents that care, that care about her and where she's headed you know, sometimes people will say this day, well, the struggles that we face are because of modern society. That the reason that there are stresses in our world is because of the modern culture. Can I tell you, there have been those stressors since day one, people. I mean, there have been problems since day one. Taking it all the way back, what in the world was it that God the Father did that was so bad that caused his children to struggle and to rebel against him and to bring that stain of sin upon humanity? What was it? But I want to go back today, and I want to look just briefly at a, at, a, at a character in the Old Testament, if you would allow me to do so. But before that I do that, I'd like to be able to read to you a passage of Scripture out of the book of Deuteronomy. Can I do that? Yeah, let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I'm, I'm not going to spend time. I just want to read this to you because somewhere as we make our way towards the end, you're going to see the importance of what I'm talking about. But it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through nine, and these are the words that Moses would read the people of Israel. He would recite to them, share with them as they're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And these are the words of Moses. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land that you're about to enter and occupy. And you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord with your God as long as you live. If you obey his decrees and the commands, you will enjoy what? Long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God, uh, the God of your ancestors promised you. And then listen to what he says, verse 4 and following. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone, and you must love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. You must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. <laughs> and look at what he says. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed and when you're getting up and tie them on your hands and wear them on your foreheads as a reminder. Write them on the doorpost of 
of your home and on your gates. Would you pray with me? Father, this is my simple prayer. That the, the eyes of a, and ears of our hearts and minds be very attentive today. For those of us that are in that parenting process, for those of us that, that are grandparents, for those of us that may not have children, but we have children around us, as a church body, help us understand individually as well as corporately the privilege we have to raise children of faith. Help us not to neglect that responsibility. But Father, help us to be serious about it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to look at an example of a man by the name of David we find in, in the Old Testament. David, you, you may remember David. David was a young shepherd boy that would rise to prominence. He would be a great leader, a military leader. David was the guy that would, would slay Goliath when everybody else would run. David was the guy that fought off lions and bears with his own hands. You know, I've done that before. I don't know if you know that about me. What are you laughing about? I mean, yeah. I mean, in my dreams, but I've, I've done that. Um, but anyway, here's, here's David, this, this man that was so well thought of, so well liked. David, who under his leadership and direction that the, the nation of Israel would rise, that the army would become powerful and its wealth would grow and expand under his authority. And David wasn't just a great leader, but David was also a great musician. He was a great poet, but as great as a man that David was, David struggled. He struggled. He, he struggled with inside of his, his home. I mean, as successful as he was on the outside, it was over here on the inside that he, that he wrestled. This is, a man that, this is a man that the scripture says was a man after his own heart, and yet, yet inside of the family structure, it would be terrible. And yet, this is the man who inside of his family structure that we would see in the lineage that Jesus himself would come from. And so, I'm going to give you just a little bit about some of David's children, if I can do that. David had a child by the name of Amnon. I don't know if you know anything about Amnon. But we find in the Old Testament where Amnon was his firstborn son. Amnon was a very wicked young man, very deceitful as a matter of fact. He he talked his, um, his stepbrother, his cousin, uh, into, into helping him trick his, his sister, his half-sister, into trapping her so that he could have sexual relations with her. And when she refused, he raped her. I don't know if you know that story or not. And as a result of that, she fled. Um, David also had another son by the name of Absalom. Absalom would take her in take Tamar in, and for a couple of years, this just this anger boiled with inside of him till he got to the place that he couldn't stand it any longer, and he went after Amnon to kill him. And so here you've got, I mean, just within a short amount of time, you've got rape, and you've got murder, and you've got deceit, and you've got pain, and you've got bitterness here inside of this family. Oh, but it didn't stop there. There's, there's many other stories like Adonijah. Adonijah's David was getting older, and he was, he was near to death. Adonijah would would betray his father and try to steal the kingship. And, I, and I, I see what the scripture has to say in 1 Kings chapter 1. Why don't you turn there with me for a second because I want you to see what the scripture says. 
The details are recorded about some of his parroting skills, and this is what the writer writes. Now his father, King David, talking about David, the one, our, our, little, our hero, the one that we have seen as a hero mo most often. Now his father, King David, had never disciplined him at any time. Did you see that? The word discipline? He didn't discipline him at any time, even by asking, why are you doing that? I mean, here's all this stuff that's happening, and yet here's David so absent and uninvolved. Adonijah had been born next to Absalom, the one that had killed his brother, and he was very handsome. And so here is the king of Israel with all this power, all this might, all this authority, all this leadership, all this creativity. He had multiple wives, multiple children. That's, that's where his problem was, with all these wives, right? And yet in the midst of that, he was absent, and he was uninvolved. The drama and the dysfunction in the home, it was rampant. I didn't grow up in a perfect environment. It was pretty close to perfect, I would think, based on what I know. It was great, but I'll tell you this, the words that were used to describe David as representative of being absent and uninvolved was not, not two words that you would use to to describe my parents, I promise you. I mean, no way. I mean, if there's a correlation between love and spankings, I would have been a love child. <laughs> I got my fanny tore up multiple times. Now, some of you, you're offended by that. It's going to be okay, I promise you. Children, listen up. This may change your life, okay? Parents, this may change your life too. I remember the time etched in my mind very clearly that my father spanked me, didn't beat me, didn't abuse me, but he spanked me. You're going to feel really sorry for me when I tell you this, but he spanked me and he found out that I didn't do what he thought I did. And I, I approached him to remind him that he spanked me and, um, for something that I didn't do. And I said, don't you feel bad? And he said, nope. He didn't feel bad. And I said, well, why? He said, that's just for the time I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't very funny. I mean, I, <laughs> I remember the time that I got the stink eye in church. You ever got the stink eye in church? You know, you get the stink eye. And there are multiple stories about this, but I mean, and there are so many to tell. But I remember in my mind trying to make an excuse have you, Rolf, you ever had to make an excuse because you knew that you were going to be in trouble with Sabine? You know, don't, don't, don't answer that question, okay? All right. But have you ever, Tom, you've been in trouble and you come up with an excuse? You know, you just got to figure out what is it that's going to relieve the pain? It's going to relieve the consequences. And I remember in my mind, it was silent on the way home. When he's silent on the way home from church, something's going to happen when you get home, okay? You just know there's trouble that's brewing. And I remember getting to the house and I remember those words, go to your room, son. It's a bad day, bad day. My mind, I'm, I'm conjuring up all these thoughts, by the way, while I was putting on an extra pair or two of underwear. And so my dad walks in, and by that time, I, I had figured out what I was going to say. And I, I looked at him, and I said, well, hold, hold on, Dad, I just got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. I was just as serious as I could be. I said, Dad, you're probably wondering what I did, what I did. And I said, the devil made me do it. <laughs> My dad look, looked at me and he grinned and he said, 
that's pretty good. And he said, but I'm going to beat the devil out of you. <laughs> I, I remember in life going around and around and around in circles saying, he's gone. He's gone. I promise he's gone. <laughs> My parents didn't beat me, though. They spanked me because they loved me, not because they, had, they hated me. I don't ever remember anything being out of anger, but it was out of love and it was discipline. And here's David. He's the king. He's large and in charge. And yet he's absent. He's uninvolved when it came to his family. And this is where there can be a tension that begins to arise because people begin to feel uncomfortable because of where you may find your kids at this moment in time. You've been intentional. You've done everything you can to try to walk alongside of them. You've not been absent. You've been very intentional and very involved. And let me just say this. You can do everything right as a parent, and your kids still choose to disobey and to rebel. Remember our Heavenly Father? What did He do that was wrong? And you can do everything wrong, and yet our kids make right Choices, But here thinking about David, I have to believe that David didn't start out by going, I want to be a bad parent. I want to fail as a parent. I want my kids to walk through times of difficulty. But he struggled. And one of the reasons that he struggled is I believe that in my mind, he didn't know where he was headed when it came to his children. I mean, he knew where he was headed when it came to his business. He knew where he was headed when it came to, you know, uh, the church. He knew where he was headed when it came to the ball field, but when he came to his family, he didn't have a clue where he, was, where he was headed. He had forgot the instructions that had been passed down from him, from Moses, to obey the scriptures, the laws, and the decrees. So I just want to ask you the question, what are you shooting for? I mean, what is it you're aiming at as a, as a parent? You know, what, what is it you're shooting for as a, as a grandparent? You know, what is it we're aiming at as, as a church body? Are we leaning into God? Or are we leaning away from God? You know, we have no problem being intentional when it comes to our 401k, our retirement accounts, is it? No. But what happens when it comes to praying and planning and preparing and raising our children to be people who love Jesus? Do we spend more time being proactive or do we spend our time being reactive? It's like the difference between a roller coaster and somebody who sails a ship. I mean, I don't know if you guys, how many of you guys like roller coasters? Yeah, it seems like the last time I went on a roller coaster, I, I lost my cookies. That's, I don't do too well on stuff like that. Um, but it's, you strap in and man, they lock you in and you're in for the ride. That's all it is. I mean, Gerard, you don't call the shots. But there's somebody that's, they're, they're doing this lever and it's taking you wherever you, where you may not want to go, but it's going to take you there because you're buckled in. But what about the person that sails the ship? It's a little bit different. I mean, I, I, I happen to have a professor back at college that had a, had, a, had a sailboat and I remember going with him and he had this little book and in that book he had all kinds of little coordinates and he had instructions and he had to follow those instructions and he made decisions based upon the weather and the conditions. He was constantly making adjustments, but he was proactive because he knew where we were headed. He knew where we were going and that was, he wanted us to get there so he would make the adjustments along the way. 
when we're willing to be intentional and involved, what our actions say as parents is that we want to help you get to where you need to be. See, because godly parents not only help their children onto the right path, but they provide guidance along the way. Some people say, well, I just want my kids to be, to be happy. I don't really care what they do as long as they're happy. And that may sound good until you all of a sudden put inside of that, that, that package the disease of sin, which we all have been infected with. You know, sin is what gets us on that, takes us down that wrong path to making some pretty poor choices. What, what do they say about sin? Sin takes us farther than we want to go, makes us stay longer than we want to stay, and will make us pay more than we want to pay. But it's our choices. It's the path that can be the difference between life and death. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25 in the Old Testament. Proverbs 16, 25. The writer says this, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in in death. I don't know how you define sin. We can say missing the mark. We can say a lot of things that are spiritual, but I'll tell you exactly what it is in just simple forms. Here it is. Here it is. This is what I want. This is what God's want. And I choose what I want over God. That's what it is. Instead of choosing what to go God's direction, we go our direction. See, our, our responsibility of, of parents isn't to let our kids wander around in the darkness but to try to point them towards the light. See, the scripture says in Proverbs 22, six, just six chapters over, direct your children onto the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. You may have heard it this way, train up your child in the way you should go, and when they are old, they will not depart. You remember that? That's the, that's the New International Version. And those words, direct or train, whichever one you want to use, they're not unintentional words. These are very intentional words. They're not happenstance. You know, we have several people within our church family that are, that are instructors. They're, they are trainers. They're personal trainers. And their job as a personal trainer is to provide you with information, to walk alongside of you, to encourage you, to give accountability, to help you stay on the right path when it comes to your, your health. And as parents, have you ever viewed yourself as a spiritual instructor for your children? How many of us will go to all lengths to make sure that our kids get tutoring because they're struggling in a class, or we will provide that personal coach so that they get that extra training in baseball or basketball or track or whatever it may be. But when it comes to spiritual growth, where's the sense of urgency? I mean, when you woke up this morning, was that on your heart? Was that on your mind about your kids and the direction they were headed being on the right path. See, the writer in Proverbs 22, 6, he says, what, what are we to do? We need to direct or to train our children and train them, direct them where? What does he say? Onto the right path. Just the fact that he said right path means that there's a, means there's a right way and then there's a wrong way. And our responsibility as parents are to create an environment where our kids are not only can hear God's word, they can see God's word lived out. That we can, we, can, we can point them towards the right path so they can get on the right path. We are to direct and train our children to get them on the right path. And then when he finishes, he said, and when they're older, they will not leave it. 
And I think if we're honest, this is one of those verses that can be held over you to cause um, guilt and shame. But listen, I don't want you to go there because that's of the devil. That's not what this is talking about at all. I mean, this passage is a proverb. It's not a promise. It's a principle. It's not a guarantee. It's a principle that's based on God's wisdom. As you train up a child, what you're doing is you're giving them an example of the best way to live that honors God. But it's not a guarantee. Your children may rebel. You don't control that. Your children are going to have to make choices. You're not, you're not in control of that. That's between them and the Holy Spirit. As much as you would like to think it's yours, they are God's, not yours. But you're an instructor. You're a trainer. You're a developer. You're a director. Can you see yourself as an orchestra director? You're to point them on to the, to the right path. There's a lot of truth in this statement, though, I mean, just think about this. You eat fruit, you know, what's, what's, that old, what's the old saying, an apple a day keeps the doctor away? I mean, think about it. I mean, you, you eat right, you eat healthy, you do the right things, there's a better chance that you're going to be healthy, you're going you're gonna to stay healthy, but it's not, a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a promise. I mean, I've known lots of healthy people that have had heart attacks and died, and they're healthy. I've known people that eat trash, and they're terrible, and yet they seem to do well. So, I mean, this is not a promise, but it's a proverb. It's, it's a principle. It's not a guarantee. And the principle is here. Direct your children on the right path, and when they're older, they'll not leave it. It's a principle. When we're intentional, when we point our children towards the right path, when we point them towards Jesus, when we speak God's word to them, into them, and we live it out, there's a greater chance that they're going to continue down that path. But it is not a promise. It's a principle. It's a proverb. And going back to David, I mean, I, I can only, I didn't know him. I wasn't there, but I can only read what the scripture has to say. And it didn't seem that David was very intentional, though, in his, in his parenting skills, nor involved. But in talking about the right path, what is the right path? I mean, what, what are the, some things that I'm supposed to be intentional about when it comes to this issue of of parenting, I want to give you a bottom line because there's a lot of stuff we could say today. Can I just give you a, a bottom line? Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is this. Great parents and great churches help their children pursue Jesus. Simple. Great parents and great churches help their children, help children pursue Jesus. I mean, talking about purpose, that's it. There's no greater calling that we have in life. Not baseball, not basketball, not academics, not positions, not anything that you can think of is more important when it comes to our children. Nothing else that we can do because we are the primary disciples of our children as parents. So many times we want to relegate that to somebody else, but it's not. It's our responsibility. How do we create environments where our children are not only coming to hear God's word, they're coming to know God's word. They're coming to see it lived out as, they, as we live it out. I mean, we as parents are supposed to do everything within our power to lead them down that path to pursue Jesus. It's a never-ending process. You say, my job is done. Man, I, my kids graduated. They're out of the house. You know, honey and I, well, we just, we're just on vacation now. We're retired Really? No. That responsibility goes on and on and on until you take your last breath. It's never done. 
What a privilege that you have to be able to pour into your grandchildren. What privilege it is do you have to continue to pour into your children. I tell my kids all the time, man, I love you guys. But one, one day you're out of here and mom and I are going to celebrate good time. Yeah, you know. But I tell my kids, listen, I don't care. Academics, great. Education, great. Sports, whatever it may be. But there's two things I ask of you. And I want you to pursue Jesus and love Jesus. Second thing I want you to do is I want you to love other people. I want you to put this, because I know that if you love Jesus, there's a greater chance you're going to love people. And if you love Jesus, there's a greater chance that you're going to be on that right path. You will be on that right path. That's the most important thing in your, in your life. And I know that if you're following Jesus, you know, I, that, that everything else is going to fall into place. I told Abby before her and Landon were married, listen, Abby, love Jesus more than you love Landon because Landon's going to let you down. I told Landon, love Jesus more than you love Abby because Abby's going to let you down. Can I tell you that? Did you know that? Did I tell you your spouse is one day going to let you down? And if you're looking to them, there are going to be times that they blow it. You've got to have your faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. I didn't say life would be perfect, but this is what I know when you build a house on a strong foundation. That house will, it will, it will stand the storms that will come, and those storms will come. They will. They'll happen. Our responsibility as parents to help our children pursue Jesus. That's what a great church does. It helps children, people pursue Jesus. Bringing our kids to church, sending them to camp is great. Listen, we've got over 100 kids headed to camp this summer. It's tremendous. What's great, man, to, to have that investment. Some of you brought sandwiches today, and when you leave here, you're going to go over and you're going to get a barbecue sandwich. Your investment in the lives of kids is important because we want to invest in their spiritual journey. But how in the world can we help our kids down a path that we ourselves have not traveled? I mean, how in the world can we help our kids travel down a path that they have not, we've not first traveled? You know, as a parent, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? As a parent, are you seeking to live out your faith and honor God by knowing his word and seeking to live that out? Or are you just helping disciple others by teaching them the word, teaching them what, what God has trained you? Well, how are the things that you've learned? You know, we're not in a relationship with God by default, people. But all of us are separated from God. It goes back to the beginning in sin. But what Jesus did is he paid a price so that our sin could be forgiven, so that we could live in relationship with him. And there's no greater responsibility we have or duty that we have than to help our children learn that, to preach that to them, to teach that to them <laughs> as we're going down the road and as we're lying our heads down at night and in the conversations that we have. You know, at Heritage, I don't know if you know that from time to time, you'll see students up here on the stage. You've seen that before? They're singing, they're playing. Aren't they gifted? They're incredibly talented. You know, we'll have kids working in, in sound and or, or the, these cameras or, or you know, they're, they're volunteering and serving. But we don't do that because we have to have kids. You know why we do it? Because we believe that serving is, is also a way of discipling. It's a way that, 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 that kids can, can grow spiritually. And that's one of the ways that we partner with you. It's very important that our kids be involved. And you know, you know it's, it's hard. F no, let me, let me say this. I, Barton Yvonne Lucas, 
We don't have to tell their kids to serve. You know why? They see mom and dad serve. You know, there are other views that are, that are parents. You, you know, um, Jonathan, you, you don't serve. You, you've seen your mom and dad serve over the years. You're following Roth and Sabine. Your kids, they serve. You know, they'll serve in different areas. You know why they serve? Because they see their mom and dad serve. You know, what kind of example are we setting with our children? Are we intentionally engaging our students, pointing them on the right directions? Are we as disciples teaching them what it looks like to be a disciple? To not only, to not only uh, um, accept that invitation to follow Jesus, but being changed into the likeness of Christ. But also being committed to, to share and be on mission with telling others about Jesus. But how will they know? Unless we tell them. See, parents, what's the win? I mean, what's the biggest responsibility we have? Some of you may say, well, Pastor said this is really hard because I hear what you're saying, and I'm doing everything I can to point my kids onto the right direction. I'm doing everything I can to love Jesus and to live it out, yet my kids are struggling. It's God's grace. See, your, your job isn't to change the life of your kids. Your, your responsibility is to be an example and to pray for them. But when it comes to it, they've got to make a choice. That's why you want to create those environments and be around people that share the same values because there's going to come the day and time that you aren't the primary speaker into their life. That's why you want to have other adults in their life and coaches and teachers, neighbors, People with inside the church body that are investing in your kids because they share the same values that you do. Because all of a sudden you become partners in faith. That's one of the things that we value at Heritage. Man, listen, our kids are not alone. There's sometimes I call your kids, I check on your kids. You know why? Because we love your kids. Then there's times that I know some of you, what you do is you'll call and you'll check on kids. And kids will come and talk to you. You know why? Because, because, because you love them and they love you. That's an important part of a, of a family. Our job isn't to change the lives of our kids. We can't do that. But our job is to parent on purpose, to be intentional in everything that we do to point our kids towards Jesus. So parents and grandparents and just people in general, how are you doing? What you shooting at? What you aiming at? What do you value? What are you modeling? You know, see, here, here's the good news. The good news is regardless of the past, regardless of the mistakes that you've made, whether it's being parenting or grandparenting or whatever, whatever up to this point, you know, that's the past. Don't, let the, don't stand in the guilt or the shame of the past, but ask the Lord for forgiveness and say, God, where, how do I parent on purpose from here forward? I mean, even if your kids are older and grown, God, what, is it, what is it that I can do now as a, as a grandparent? It's never too late to begin. And I don't have to be looking behind, but I can look ahead. Listen, can I, as I finish, I want to show you something. I want you to look in, in 1 Kings chapter 2. Because I've shared with you some of the stories about some of the bad things we see in, in David's life as it relates to parenting. But as I close up, I want to show you something else. Because here's David close to the end of his life. And in those last days, what he does is he calls Solomon to his side. And um, Solomon would be the next king. 
And in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, let me read what it says here. It said, I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. Take courage and be a man. David's saying, look, Solomon, I'm getting ready to die. But what I want you to do is I want you to do this something that I haven't done. I want you to be strong and courageous. Does that sound familiar any place? You ever remember that? And then he goes on to say, I want you to observe the requirements of the Lord your God and follow all of his ways. Keep the decrees and commands and regulations and the laws written in the law of Moses so that you will be what? Successful. It's successful in all that you do and wherever you go. David said, look, Solomon. He said, man, I, son, I want you to be successful. But the way you're going to be successful is not by being a, a good leader, not by being a, a good student, not by being a, a good af, athlete. But he said, he said, Solomon, I want you to know that the basis of your success will be how you follow the Lord, how you live for, for God, that, that you're on the right path, that you're following his decrees, his commands, and his instructions. And Solomon, I want you to know that in your life, that's where you'll find success. The funny thing about it, and I didn't share this in the earlier service, guess what Solomon shared near the end of his life? I'm talking about the man that had anything you could ever dream or imagine, and he said in the end of Ecclesiastes, I've experienced it all, but what I have found is that the most important thing is to follow God and his commands. You want to talk about parenting? Want to talk about our kids and the most important responsibility we have? I mean, here we are, and I, and I said this the other day, we, God has given us these ballistic missiles that are inside of our homes. And here it is, we have the ability to train them and equip them so that one day we shoot them out into the darkness so that they will be a light. But how in the world can we take our kids down a path that we ourselves haven't walked. I want to pray with you today. But before I pray with you, I want Brian to sing a song and then I'll close this out.
values children. I mean, we value the responsibility and the privilege we have of walking along, not, not just our children, but walking alongside of one another. And I want you to know you're not alone. And if you're alone and you feel alone, that's a life in the pits of hell. I mean, all you have to do is say, man, help me. There are multiple environments that, that year. That's why small groups are so important. That's why relationships are so important. And if you've got kids that are struggling and you're struggling, I just want you to know, don't you dare give up. Man, you hold on. You continue to persevere and press through and ask some other people to walk around you and to gather around you because we're all in this thing together. It's important. But we can't take our kids down a path that we ourselves hadn't first again been. Do you have a love relationship with Jesus? Are you pursuing are you, are you pursuing Jesus? Are you expecting something out of your kids that you yourself aren't willing to give? And as we close out today, there may be somebody here that doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. There may be a parent that's struggling, and I just want you to know that we, we want to help you. We want to walk alongside of you. For the person that knows Christ, right today, you can make that decision right where you are just to pray and submit your life and say, Jesus, I want to follow you. Honestly, I'm broken. Man, I want you to save me. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I want to I I receive the invitation that's been given to me to follow you. 
man, you can make that decision right there. Make sure that there's cards there that you can write out, and we'd love to connect with you so that we can help you in this new journey in Christ. There are others, others of you that may be struggling dealing with parental issues, and you know, there's a class. That's one of the reasons we've got that class on Wednesday night, that environment that, to, to recognize that we're all in this thing together. You connect with Brian or Allison, and, and uh, we want to walk alongside. Right, man, if you've got a prayer request, write it down. That's what we do on Mondays as a staff. We pray. But don't you dare give up. Don't you dare give up. Father, I'm just asking that as we close out our time, what a privilege it is. As, as a church family to, to recognize our need and our need for you, our need for one another, our need for community, and Father, the responsibility we have of, of leaving a legacy of faith. That's where Heritage got its name from, that we wouldn't just be church as usual, just a gathering of people and some programming, but Father, we would be very specific in, in training up the next generation of faith believers, walking alongside of parents, trying to enable them trying to encourage them, teaching them how to be spiritual instructors inside of the home. God, I pray you would encourage us on this journey. Help us not to become discouraged. Help us to be reminded of the strength and the power of sin and that, that role. And help us to, to, to want to do everything we can within our power to make sure that our kids get on the right path to create those environments and be in those environments where our kids can make wise choices. Thank you for the privilege of being a part of a church that loves kids, that loves families. Father, help us as we go about this week because as we move towards the end of school, there's just, our schedules are full, we're tired. Meredith said it earlier, we're exhausted. Would you help us finish strong? Father, we're very thankful for our teachers. Thank, thank you for the time that they spent. I pray for our teachers and staff in schools today. Father, to celebrate them this week, I pray that we would understand the role that they play. Help us to pour into their lives so that as they pour into our children's lives, Father, they'll make a difference. Help us to understand that when we walk out these doors, it's all about, it's all about you, that you, we're your ambassadors, and we're being sent out into the world to be a light and help us to do so and do, do so faithfully. Bless us now as we leave this place to be encouraged, Father, as well as challenged. In Jesus' name, amen.